Hello and welcome to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're a startup church we just planted in September 2020. And at the Kalamazoo Church, we believe that Christianity is done best when it is done together. And so if you live in the Kalamazoo area, we would love to connect. Be it coming to a Sunday service, one of our small groups, or even just grabbing coffee with a member to learn more. You can visit kalamazoo.church in order to do that. We pray that you are inspired by what you hear today. Very good. You, you guys can open up to 1 Kings 3. Um, but before that, though, I want to, I want to share a quick scripture. Um, it says in Proverbs 16, 9, it says, In their hearts human plan, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And in, in my heart, I had planned to be on paternity leave through today. We were like, man, we're going to have this baby at the beginning of February. And, uh, and, and God just said, no, that's, that's not the way we want to do it. Our, our little girl said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm perfect. And so I'm just going to follow what God wants me to do. So we're not going to do it that way. So I, uh, I just say, I, I find humor in it. I also, uh, you know, it's just, it's just kind of life. So, um, yeah, Joe was supposed to preach today, and then we just flip-flop, basically. So, there you go. Uh, it's exciting times, though, in the, the Singh household. Thank you for everybody for, for praying for, for my wife and our family. It, it, I mean, it means so much. Baby's doing good. Mom is doing really pretty good. Um, so, just so thank you, really, from the bottom of, of our hearts. For the Super Bowl thing, real quick, the halftime commercials, if you've created one of those, you can send them to me. Right now, I've got a commercial for a, a personal fitness program, and I've also got a commercial for a, uh, a supermarket, okay? So we've got, we, we run the gamut as, as far as commercials go. Uh, if you want to be entered into that prize, awesome. Also, for the chili cook-off, make sure uh, that, that there, there won't be any way to heat it outside of electricity. So if you have a, a slow cooker, just put the chili in that. Uh, would be would be my recommendation, but there will be outlets and all that stuff. So and then bring something to scoop as well. Uh, I think that's all the the main stuff. So so today it's it's really interesting. You guys know, growing up, we are taught a, a certain uh, certain things about certain people. We're actually taught that there's good people and that there's bad people. You know what I'm saying? That's there, there's there's caricatures that that are kind of painted one specific way and and. Perhaps that's the way that you have to, to teach children to, to categorize in their minds. The reality is when you, when, when you get to a certain age, you realize that, that, that that's just not true. There, there's this really interesting quote, and it's in, it's in this, uh, the, this the series called Loki. And uh, so if you guys know the Marvel series, Loki's kind of the, he's evil, or kind of a bad guy, but he's not, he's not so bad. It's kind of interesting. He's the, the god of mischief is what, is what he's called. Uh, lowercase god, work with me here. And, and he says something as he's talking to this other individual. There's no spoiler alert here. He just says, see, I know something that children don't. No one bad is just bad, and no one good is just good. And that, that's, that's true with individuals in the Bible. It's true with, with just about everybody that we've ever interacted with. You know, you, you go down the list of, of people here and you look at Lance Armstrong, O.J. Simpson. You look at Ray Nixon, or not Ray, Richard Nixon, help me out. Yeah, there you go. 
Ray Nixon was a, uh, he was a Badger, right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, Marie Antoinette, uh, Bill Cosby, of course. You look, you look at all of these individuals, and they all have something in common. At one point, they were beloved. And then, and then something, a series of events happened, some things got brought to the forefront. We realized, well, well they're human too, and, and they're pretty messed up. One time, at one point, they were on top, and at a certain point, then they fell from grace. But today, we're going to talk about something more dramatic than any of those individuals falling from grace, okay? All right, we, are, we are going to talk about one of, the, one of the biggest falls from grace, I believe, from all humanity. We're going to talk about the, this, this man, he's, he's recorded as being the wisest and the richest, and he totally falls away from God. The, the title of the lesson today is All in the Measure of Love. So we're, we're, in, we're in 1 Kings 3. I want to paint the picture of who Solomon was. He was the, the son of David. He, he says here he's, he's taking the throne and he's praying to God. And it, and it just says, Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant. This is 1 Kings 3, 7 through 9. It says, You have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Right before this, uh, a man of God comes and just says, hey, whatever you want, God says, ask it and he's going to give it to you. And Solomon says, above all else, I'm, I am in this humble place. What I need is wisdom. These people are, they're, they're too great for me. They're too big. They're too powerful. They, they know too much. I just, I need wisdom. I need to be able to apply whatever knowledge that I gain. Again, he could have asked for wealth. He could have asked for uh, all, all status, all of this stuff. And, and he asks for wisdom. And God says, well, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you all of the rest of it. This is a man who was in love with God. He understood his place before God. And, and he, was, he, he had a special, actually, relationship with God, which we'll, we'll talk about in a minute. This guy, he was, he was humble. He knew where he stood before God. And then we'll, we'll look just, just some, some years later here. And it's in 1 Kings 11. This is the, the fall from grace right now. It, it says, we'll, we'll pick up in verse 4 is, what, is where we'll read. It says, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned, that's a, that's a bad way to start whenever you have to say plural wives, okay? So start with, start with that. His wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. This man went from saying, I am, I'm not good, you have to help me, to deciding that I'm going to follow all of these other gods. And you can read, I, I believe there's scriptures that we'll talk about. He ended up marrying 700 women, and then he had 300 uh, other women that, that he slept with, the concubines. It's not a, not a great way to live your life. He, he ends up worshiping gods who, who practice 
child sacrifice. This, this is where he goes from the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the big God over all of it. He actually experiences God and he's in love with God. And then by the end of his life, he, he turns away entirely. This is a, a big warning for you and I about what, what can happen and how quickly that we can lose our love for God. There, there's no amazing place that we can get to. There's no awesome spot that we can get that we can just coast for the rest of time on our time on earth. We said we are so close to God now. We can just teeter and make it to the end. There's nobody that's able to do that. The reality is it's harder to finish than it is to start. But finishing for God is the only thing that matters. And so the reality, we're going we're gonna to go through a little bit of Solomon's life. We're going to look at a little, some of, some of his, uh, the, the reasons why he fell. I, I believe there's lessons for us that I, I don't think we'll have to dig super deep to find. I, I think they're pretty much in front of us, okay? But, but we'll, we'll start here. Uh, the reality is Solomon, he was, he was loved by God. We just read God gave him wisdom. God called and he said, this guy is so wise. He gave him absolute wisdom, the ability to apply knowledge perfectly he knew. You guys read. You guys read Proverbs, and we take Proverbs and we say this is this is wisdom, and then we try to apply it to our lives. That this guy wrote wrote those. Wow. He understood. So whatever he wrote, you understand. There's so much that that that's going on in his head that, that he just couldn't write. He he lived Ecclesiastes, and then he, and then he wrote about that as well. He he had this great understanding. The end of Ecclesiastes is everything's meaningless. So we just gotta love God. He said it. And he turned away, but he was, he was loved by God. God gave him wisdom. God, God favored him. It just says, it's 1 Kings 11.9. It says that he gave him two chances, really. I, I, God says, I appeared to this guy twice and gave him opportunities to, to turn to me. He gave him a special name, Jedediah. It, it, means, it means loved by the Lord. This is who Solomon was. This is how he started God gave him the honor of, of building the temple. You guys can just write down a couple of scriptures here. It's 2 Chronicles 5.14. So God let him build this temple for him. And it says, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. So God was pleased. And then it says even again, 2 Chronicles 7.3, when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. Solomon, out of all the people in history, was able to, to build something that God was so pleased with. And then you, you guys know, we talked about it. God actually, God uses Solomon. He used Solomon to, to teach you and me. And we, we continue to use his wisdom to, to learn what it is to, to practice true Christianity and, and, and true life. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, all of those we, we, we pull, we quote just about every Sunday. And so if this man can turn from God, then I'd put before us that so can you and so can I. But there's no spot that we can get to, again, that we feel comfortable. This is why Paul said, I'm working on my salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. Certainly, uh, certainly there, there's some in this room who, who are predisposed to levels of spirituality. I, I, I know people in this room that are just, their, their hearts are just genuinely kinder than, like I think about Andrea, for example, and there's, 
you know, I, there's, there's so much, there's so much good, but I think about Andre that, that people are just genuinely good. That, that, when I think about Andre, I'm like, people are just genuinely good. I remember Leah sharing how, how Andrea kept reaching out to her and she's like, no, she just is just a good person. Like, like that, that's one. You can fill in the blank of those who are so sacrificial with their money without a shadow of a doubt. And you can, you can think about those who are inviting people and using their homes. I, I think about the lays. Their home is always in use and not always by them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> These people, freely, they're, they're, they're giving. Whatever gift you've been given, however long you've been practicing, you're not going to reach a point when you can coast on your laurels to the point of salvation. And so the, the reality then is, when did Solomon lose his love? It wasn't after... This, this sudden temptation that occurred. You think about David and Bathsheba. It wasn't, it wasn't from laziness and just seeing something and, okay, I'm going to go and pursue it. It wasn't after that. It wasn't after, after great trials. Uh, Solomon's name, from my understanding, means a, a man of peace. It's kind of shalom, I, I think, is the, like a kind of a conjugate or something like to that, to that effect. He, there was rest on every side. He was doing okay. I want to look at but then, then how did he turn from from God, and what happened? You you guys can open up to Luke seventeen. The truth is that that Solomon lost his love when he was a little bit older. And so, what does that mean for you and me? It just means again that we talked about it's it's easier to start than it is to finish. And then when his prosperity increased is when it became pretty difficult for him to follow God. When he, when he decided to turn, just write it down. Stay in, stay in Luke 17. It just says in Deuteronomy 8.11, it says, when you have, 8.10-11, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I am giving you this day. After you've eaten and after you're satisfied, then praise the Lord. Why does it have to say that? Because it's pretty easy for us when things go well to think, well, we've had something to do with it. So we don't need God as much. Luke 17, you're, you're familiar with the story. This is not a parable. This actually happened, okay? This is a story of, of 10 men saying, we need help, Jesus. Jesus telling them exactly what to do. Not telling them what to do. He said, go, go show yourself. To, to this this group of people that's going to pronounce you clean, and then he didn't he just left it there. So what happens is these ten go. There's one that comes back, and in verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus's feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan, second class citizen, the dirtiest of dirty. And Jesus asked, "Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is, again, this, is, this actually occurred. This is not a parable. This, this is a commentary then on you and I and our natural disposition. When stuff goes well, when things are going pretty good, I think it's it's easy for well we we've had something it took some faith to get up and these these men that were were lepers it took actually a bunch of faith to be able to go to the the group of people that that would pronounce them clean it says in their going they were healed 
that takes something. And so it'd be easy to say, well, I, you know, I, I did something pretty, pretty faithful, pretty spiritual. I'm healed. I deserve to be healed. Why does he deserve to have clean skin? Now that I have clean skin, I can go on my way. There's only one that came back. This is a, a, a communication. But when, when our prosperity increases, this is when it, when it gives us opportunities to, to leave God. Show me what prosperity is to you, and I'll show you what is going to steal your love of God. And so think about it. When I say the word prosperity, certainly, initially we hear prosperity, and if you're, if, maybe you're not like me, but I, I, think, I think security, I think money, I think I can just relax. These are, these are thoughts that come into your mind. Maybe prosperity, what, is, what does it look like to be successful? Maybe in this season you're thinking marriage. That is what is going to make me successful. That's a successful season as I look back at 2022 or 2023 marriage. Maybe you think wealth and improving, getting to a good spot. Maybe you think status or appreciation or a solid foundation, this great job. Maybe you think a full family. Man, I just want to relax and enjoy my my children, enjoy my grandchildren. Maybe you think of any kind of comfort. But again, you, you show me what comes to your mind when we think of the concept of prosperity, and I'll show you what's going to steal your love with God. Yeah, right. For me personally, this is where it gets cloudy, guys. So hear me. I, this stuff is not bad necessarily, right? The, having a, a great family life, that's not bad. Relaxing, that's not, that's not bad inherently. Marriage is awesome. Having great, strong relationships, that's good. Having money, Jesus says, use your worldly wealth to gain friends. That's not bad. For, for me, I, sincerely, when I think, what does prosperity look like? The, the, the number one thing, I just, I just think about the growth of the church. Wow. I mean, I just, I want the church to grow. And I want it to grow bigger than this room, bigger than that room. I, I want it to be enormous. I want people in Kalamazoo to, to hear the message because I realize that this isn't the only church and I realize this isn't the best church for everybody, but for most people it is. Amen. That's my firm belief. And, but, but hear me now, I'd, I'd be lying if I said some of that wasn't clouded in, in, in this desire to be awesome and to be respected and to be looked at so highly and to be, to be lifted up in different settings of, oh, Jaron led this church, Jaron did this, Jaron. This is my pride. And so, I, I say that to say the, the stuff that you guys think about with prosperity, it doesn't have to be evil, but man, it, it can turn bad pretty quickly. It doesn't have to be bad to steal your love. And then the, the reality is it was after, uh, here we go. I think I got one slide in here. It was after many warnings. His father warned him. It says, and you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father. Serve him with, with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. That's one warning. God gives him a direct warning. But if you or your descendants turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among all people 
This temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled and will scoff and say, why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to the temple? People will answer, because they have forsaken the Lord their God who brought their ancestors out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. That is why the Lord brought all the disaster on them. God gave him a warning and then he, he, he writes another warning to himself. Whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. That happened to him and he wrote it. We, we... Question I want to ask this morning, do, do we liberate people in our lives to warn us? Do we, do we liberate? And when I say liberate, it's easy, for, again, for us to think, I have close friends, and you probably do, and they're going to tell me when something's going wrong, and they may. But do we live? Do we open ourselves up? Hey, what do you see in, in my life that, that's going to take me away? Where do you see my motives as not being so pure? What a difficult question to ask. It's a difficult question certainly to ask ourselves, a little bit more difficult even to ask somebody close to you, because you know what's going to happen? They're going to give you the right answer. Yeah, yeah. So this is the, the process that, that happened to Solomon. How did he lose his love then? Well, he yoked himself to unbelievers. This is, this is vital for us. We, we can, uh, you can just reference a, a lot of these, though. It, it, he took 700 wives, 300 concubines. This is, God said, don't, don't do that for obvious reasons. This, he said, it's going to steal your relationship with me. It's, you're going to begin to serve what other people think is appropriate to serve. And this is true with you and I. This is a, a pretty shameless plug. This upcoming Friday, we're actually going to have a devotional in the, the Bernhard Center. Uh, I think it's room 10, or it's, no, it's the Brown and Gold Room 242. We're, we're going to talk about dating relationships as Christians. And uh, it's open to anybody who's uh, you know young professional or a campus student. It's going to be an awesome, an awesome time, honestly, that we can talk about a lot of the whys. We're going to have uh, those with, with strong marriages and all different spheres of life be able to share honestly and vulnerably uh, so that we can gain some convictions on that. But the, the reality is when, when we hear yoking ourselves to unbelievers, certainly there's, there's a, I, I think what ends up happening in my opinion is a lot of times people use Christianity as a threshold instead of a meter. Okay, Is this person a Christian? That's a quick yes or no. And if the answer is yes, I'm good to go. Let me date him. Let me, let me go further. That, that's, that's what I see all of the time. In reality, it, it ought to be a meter then. What is the level of their spirituality? That, that ought to be a, a good question, I think, that, that you ought to ask. Okay. It's, not just, it's not just a threshold. Do they meet the minimum requirements? No, are they, are they, are, are they growing in their relationship with God? Second thing then, what happened is he made compromises. He was pretty tolerant. We hear that word a lot. It's actually spoken of pretty positively. In this context, it's, it's not. He was very tolerant of sin. He allowed his wives to still practice what, what they, they grew up practicing, and that was okay. And then gradually, he, he, he joined in their sin. He started to worship, and he made decisions based on emotion and passion and not intelligence or rationality. And then this is, these are some indicting words uh, here. It, it says, it's, it's 1 Kings 11.2. This is the ESV. It says, nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. And 
he just he held on to his sin. I think the, the process for you and you and I losing our love for God is not entirely different. I think we make compromises. It's okay for me to take this job. It's okay for me to move to this place. It's okay for me to not go on a date, but to have dinner with this person because if we don't call it a date, it's not one. It's okay. I'm going to convert them. I'm going to help them. I'm going to bring Christianity to my little sphere of, of uh, out in, you know, wherever. What ends up happening time and time again is we make compromises and gradually the line of what's sinful and what's not becomes blurred. And, and by the end of it, if we're not careful, we end up as those who, who just hold fast to our sin. Don't want to share it, don't want to get open, and don't want to change. And so here, we're going to look at a few more scriptures here. It's in, it's in the, this, this question then is, what happened when Solomon lost his love? Uh, well, it, it says here, you, you can just go to, to 2 Kings 23. The truth is, when you and I, when we leave God and we lose our love for God, it affects more than just us. He, he left a legacy to his children, and not a good one. It took 300 years for some of the practices that he had set up to be uh, abolished in this, this nation of people. It says in 2 Kings 23, 13, the king also desecrated the high places. This is Josiah now. It says the king also desecrated the high places that were east of Jerusalem on the south of the hill of corruption. The ones Solomon, king of Israel, had built for Ashtoreth, the vile goddess of the Sidonians, for Chemosh, the vile god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the people of Ammon. It took 300 years for the, the practices to change. It's true that, that sin, it impacts the legacy that we live, the legacy that we leave rather to, to one another. Right. Second thing is that it, it impacts us right now. It impacts our proximal family. And it, and it impacts the, the trajectory of, of, of them as well. It, it also hurts God. If this is First Kings now, 11, 9 through 13, you can just listen. It says, the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to father, follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, for which I have chosen. He says, because of your attitude and because you haven't followed what I said, you can, you can hear the, the, the hurt, I believe, in, in God's words. That it actually, it does affect, it does affect him. He's, certainly he's big and he's, and he's over everything, but, but he's still affected by our sin. The, the decisions that we make, they, they, have, they have impact that, that ranges 
far from from just what we think in the moment. Now, this is it's it's really interesting here because we we looked at in about you know 15, 20, 25 minutes this this life of this man who he was allowed to to write three books in the Bible. And actually, a lot of what's talked about him, hear me now, is actually not even bad. It seems like if, if you read it, there's a bunch of good, and then there's a little bit of bad, and, and it seems, though, that the bad is all that matters. It says God was not pleased by him. I, I believe that we should read this as, as a warning. Let's, let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. We'll, we'll close up here. You know, you, you wonder, and this is, this is a frame that I would welcome everybody to really use as we think about what, why, why read the Old Testament? Why read the stuff that happened so long ago? There was, it was a different time. Certainly it was. There was a, it was a lot more violent. It seems like if you're reading it with, without a frame, it does seem like in some, at some points they're worshiping a different God. Now we know that not to be true, but it just seems like God interacts with them a little bit differently. What, what I would say is it's, it's a warning. To us, and, I, and I'm saying it because the Bible says it itself. It's 1 Corinthians 10, and then in verse 11 it says, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. The Bible says these things things are a warning. And so we ought to read the, the life of Solomon. We ought to read it as a warning. That certainly we can have gifts. Certainly we can have disposition. Certainly we can start off on this great, strong, powerful path for God. But if it doesn't end there, if it doesn't end on, on a high note, then it doesn't really matter. Right. And so, so some, some questions for us to, to really consider and to sit with. Is, is, is there anything that's dividing your heart? And this is one I don't know that you have to sit with for very long. I don't know that you'd have to have a 30-minute hour quiet time on what, and if there's anything dividing your heart. I think you probably know it right now. And then, and then to sit with now, and this is where it, it gets a little bit heavy, but then to sit with, do you know how that makes God feel? It's easy for us to say it doesn't in the, in the context I, I I'm just one person I'm not not even that good of a person yeah I, I it doesn't mean that much and yet we, we understand you you think about the the parable of the lost son and the father's waiting for him every single day just hoping that he's going to come back when he sees him from a long way off the father embarrasses himself. He lifts up his robes. He decides to run as fast as he can. And this is the humiliation that 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 was experienced when when the son said essentially dad you're dead to me. It had to be an equal humiliation that the father had to do to himself saying no no son you're better than me. I'm I'm pulling it up. It's embarrassing. I'm going to just run to you. People in the town would have been 
shocked by this as much as they would have been shocked by, by the, the younger son just saying, you're dead to me. And this, this is how God feels when, when we turn away. He's not, he's not turning his back and saying, ah, I'm, those guys, they should have listened to me. Now they're not. No, he's, he's waiting for you. And he's sitting down. And, and there's not rocking chairs in, in, in Jesus' day that I know of. Maybe they'll find them. But I, I picture God on the porch on a rocking chair, just rocking and just waiting. When are they going to come back? When are they going to turn back to me? Let us be those who, who look at the life of Solomon and certainly are inspired by what he did that was great. But, but let us be those who, who look at the life of Solomon as a warning that we can never be so close to God that, that we can coast on our laurels. It, again, it's, it's way easier to start than it is to finish. But finishing for God is the only thing that matters. Amen? Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. If you're in the Kalamazoo area, we'd love to get connected. Please go to kalamazoo.church and fill in your information to come to a Sunday service or any other event that we have going on. In any case, you'll be hearing from us next week. Save my souls.